Welcome to Health Research Futures. This is a podcast from the National Institute for Health Research for health and social care professionals engaged in research. I'm joined today by Emma Lowe, who is the Research Policy Senior Manager for Industry Relations and Growth at the UK Department of Health and Social Care. Emma works within the Science, Research and Evidence Directorate at the department, leading on research policy for industry relations and growth. Her role includes supporting the implementation of the Life Sciences Industrial Strategy, enhancing the NIHR's offer for industry, and other areas of policy which contribute to making the UK the destination of choice for life sciences research. Emma has an MSc in People and Organisational Development, has held a variety of roles within the NHS and previously led the design and delivery of learning and workforce development programmes in the NIHR Clinical Research Network, including the NIHR's Good Clinical Practice Programme. Emma, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. From my introduction, I mean, it's clear to everyone that you have a very broad portfolio of work, but it's one particular aspect of your role that I'd like to focus on, specifically what has been come to become known as complex, innovative clinical trials, especially their design and delivery, which I know you're actively involved in. And really, before going any further, I think we need to define perhaps what we're talking about here. I mean, it could be argued that all clinical research, by definition, is innovative. So what exactly does the term mean in your context? So with this work, we're focusing on innovation in the way clinical studies and trials are designed and delivered rather than what they are studying. So you can have um, an innovative product, um, for example, such as a a new advanced therapy, for example, um, which is a a quite new technology, but delivered in a quite standard clinical trial design. So that wouldn't be an innovative design. What we're really talking about is is innovating in the trial itself. Um, So for design, the the well-established gold standard is randomised controlled trials. So for many research questions, an RCT will will be the most appropriate way to generate the evidence and we need uh, to continue to do RCTs. So this agenda is not about moving away from RCTs. But in some circumstances, an RCT isn't the right approach and this has become a real area of innovation amongst clinical researchers. Um, So one area, one example of of an innovative design um, is um, complex innovative trial designs, as you mentioned. Um, And these are well used in cancer trials, but are increasingly being seen in other areas. Um, And they assess the safety and toxicity of a medicine, um, sometimes in a biomarker selected um, group of patients or a specific cohort. And sometimes they test medicines in combination with each other. But instead of taking each question in turn and doing a number of RCTs, they're all addressed under a single protocol. Often they're adapted as the trial progresses to include new cohorts and new medicines. Um, and that's one aspect, so that's the, the delivery, and there are other kinds of innovation. Uh, in, that's the innovation in design, and there are other kinds of innovation in design, but just as important is innovation in delivery. Um, a lot of the innovation is driven by the availability of data and digital tools because this is enabling researchers and delivery teams to streamline the way they do things or completely rethink the way research activities are delivered. So it could range from replacing a paper-based data capture system with an electronic version, or it could go through to electronic consent, um, the use of videos for patient information leaflets, or doing completely virtual studies because it enables you to actually totally rethink the way you might do something. 
And while innovative designs sometimes need an innovative delivery mechanism in order to be delivered well, innovative delivery is just as applicable to RCTs, so they're relevant to everybody in clinical research. So, so from so from very much from what you've said, it's not really about why we do the research, but very much how we do it. Um, can I just take it a little further and ask you, how did you get involved in this area? In other words, why is the Department of Health and Social Care particularly interested in this area? Sure. So uh, a key focus for my role is the implementation of the Life Sciences Industrial Strategy. Um, and this was published in 2017 and it was led by Professor Sir John Bell in partnership with the life sciences industry. And it's very much sets out what the industry needs in order um, for us to deliver on the vision for the UK to be the best place to do life sciences research. Um, and while it focuses on the life sciences aspect and how we enable um, more industry research and, and, and enable the, the sector to thrive, we very much need the whole ecosystem to be functioning well for that to be the case. So it's just as much about how we enable academic and charity researchers in order that we make an environment that really works well for the life sciences industry. And in that strategy, innovative trials is highlighted as a key UK strength, an area that we're already leading on. And it proposed a strategic goal to build on that and grow the proportion of novel and innovative trials conducted in the UK. Um, so that strategy is being implemented through a series of sector deals. And these are agreements, commitments from both industry and the government to address the proposals in the strategy and, and one area of that has been innovative trials. Um, in my role I work for obviously the Department of Health as you've said but I also work for the Office for Life Sciences and they lead on the implementation um, of the Life Sciences Industrial Strategy and I lead their work stream on clinical research so I'm heavily involved in this both from the Office for Life Sciences and from the Department of Health and Social Care. Um, and from the department, because we fund the NIHR, we also want to ensure that the significant expertise that exists in the NIHR is maximised um, and that we continue to create um, the, the environment and develop the people and systems needed to make innovative trials a success across the system. You alluded there to you know, agreements and, and uh, contracts between industry and the public sector, but can I just ask you perhaps a little bit more about what's actually happening in practice in this area, how, how you and your colleagues at the department are perhaps making a difference in this area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've been working on this for some time, as you would imagine, for a, a strategy that was developed, uh, that was published in 2017. Um, and one of the things that we did was through, um, there's a joint clinical research working group, which is joint between the industry and government. Um, and one of the things we did through that working group was survey um, the, the people across the clinical research ecosystem to ask them what kind of clinical uh, trials they're running, what innovations they're delivering or seeing in practice and what they would like to do that maybe they're not sure how to get done. Um, and we had a, a fantastic response to that and it really demonstrated there was a huge amount of there was a huge amount of activity already going on across the system. Um, but it also highlighted some key challenges um, and where people felt they needed more support. And so one of the things that, that we did was take the recommendations from, from that survey and, and publish a report, and that formed the basis of what went into the sector deal. Um, and the key things that were committed in the sector deal were around education and recognising that actually it's really fundamentally important that people understand what innovative trials are and start to think about what that might mean for them. And certainly when, when we were looking at this work, 
the, the understanding of, of what clin innovative trials was, was not very widespread. And so we set an ambition of making them business as usual across the system um, and are taking some actions to do that. We also wanted to really promote the expertise that already existed as highlighted in the industrial strategy. So um, across the NIHR, um, colleagues have developed case examples and there's a, a, a running showcase events to, to share those examples um, and demonstrate um, to, to people who maybe aren't working in this space yet what's possible and the support available. Um, then we've also supported the development of guidance documents, both through regulators and, and contribution to international work around this, and also through um, the Experimental Cancer Medicine Centres uh, led some work to develop a consensus statement on the effective delivery specifically of complex innovative design trials, and that was recently published in the British Journal of Cancer. And, and so setting out the guidance, but also demonstrating um, to, to colleagues in the UK and internationally the significant expertise that exists in the UK. Um, the MHRA are obviously also critical to this, particularly for clinical trials, um, and they are developing their support offer. So many people do know about their scientific advice service, but they also have an innovation office offer, um, and they're looking to develop and expand this. And, and really, this is about, at the very early stages of planning a trial, have been, having a, the ability to go and have a conversation with the regulator to say, this is what we're thinking of doing, this is why we think that we should approach this differently. What's your response to that? Should we be thinking about anything else? So that you don't kind of wait until you've got quite a long way down the development path to be told, actually, that's not going to work for these reasons. Or you maybe don't even attempt to do something innovative because you think that the regulators might not be supportive. So the MHRA are very much looking to have really early conversations to enable people to, to build confidence um, and, and get that early feedback on what's possible. So hopefully, bringing all of that together, um, we, we are taking steps to, to kind of establish that baseline of understanding, grow confidence and connect people with the expertise that already exists within the system so that we can ensure, uh, so that we can enable more of these kind of trials to happen. Um, one, one of the things you mentioned there and highlighted was educational activities, particularly to try and raise awareness of complex innovative trials. And I wonder if you could just tell us just a little bit more about what's specifically happening in that area. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as I said, you know, establishing that kind of baseline of understanding across the community is really important and developing a common language because there's, there are so many different terms kind of flying around in the innovative trial space and nobody's really sure what they mean or exactly what we're talking about, um, although hopefully that is starting to improve now. Um, so one of the things that we uh, that we did was uh, the department, we commissioned the NHR Clinical Research Network to lead on the development of some e-learning along with a range of partners um, from across the ecosystem, including uh, the Health Research Authority, the MHRA, the R&D Forum, um, and, and a number of uh, NIHR organisations, including the NHR Statistics Group, um, who obviously are critical to, to designing things in a different way. And so together they developed um, an e-learning resource which is available uh, to the whole research community to help um, kind of establish that baseline of understanding. Um, this podcast series is also a part of that work, so I'm really pleased to be involved um, in progressing that agenda and hopefully helping people to understand uh, what we're talking about with innovative trials and, and to dig into some of the specifics um, of some particular kinds of trials. Um, the other thing then is that 
a number of organisations are then building on that e-learning to deliver tailored learning for their specific groups. Um, and a couple of examples to highlight there are the HRA are doing work to ensure that research ethics committees um, are welcoming of innovative trials and understand how to assess them and, and, and understand what they're looking at when, when they're proposed. Um, and also the R&D forum um, are doing tailored learning for university and R&D teams, including a symposium to help think about, well, what does this actually mean in practice and how might it change what R&D managers um, and their teams need to be looking at with innovative trials. It's clear there's already a lot of very good work being done in this area, but I imagine there's much more to do. And, and, and I wonder what we can expect moving forward. I mean, what, what are your goals, say, over the next few years for complex innovative trials in the UK? Yeah, I agree that there is a lot of great work going on. And I, I do think even in the short time um, since we published the sector deal, um, it does feel like the environment has changed. And, and actually, there is a huge interest and enthusiasm for this area. Um, the thing I would really like to see is that it does become business as usual. I think we're still um, in a situation where maybe there are pockets of enthusiasm and pockets of expertise. And to really be a, a pro-innovation um, ecosystem, we need for that to be far more widespread and for people to, to not be fearful of it, um, but also to see their role as enabling innovation in trials. Um, because I, I think one of the things that we need to bear in mind is that the innovations um, that we're seeing today, and actually complex innovative design trials as one example, is not necessarily innovative anymore. It's been around for a number of years. We've reached the point where a series of papers have been published on it. It's very well defined um, by the regulatory and research community, um, certainly in comparison to what it was a couple of years ago. So it's kind of moved, it is definitely moving into that business as usual space. But what are the designs that are coming up behind them? And so that readiness to, to, to change the way we do things and be open to innovation where it's appropriate, um, I think is absolutely critical. So developing that culture is where I would like to get to. And so that we're holding the questions of, of what's really core to good research about are we approaching answering the question in the right way? Um, you know, is an RCT the best way of approaching this? Or actually, is there, a, is there a more appropriate way of addressing this question or something that's better for patients in how we do that? Um, and that we are using the, the technologies and the data and the new approaches that we have available to, to maximise opportunities for people to participate in research, opening things up you know, to different groups of people by using different technologies, um, maybe offering things in a different way, um, and also making best use of resources that uh, even if all we do, um, and I think we can go far beyond this, but even if all we did was streamline um, our processes so that we were automating things where possible, would free up so much staff resource and speed things up and, and make everybody's lives easier. So I think across the board, having that culture of innovation in how we design and deliver trials is, is absolutely critical. Um, clearly, we all want the best possible evidence from the best possible clinical trials. And the kind of initiatives that you're talking about here really are taking that to the next stage. And it's it's a fascinating area to watch and, and it will be a continually fascinating area to watch. Emma Lowe, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. You've been listening to Health Research Futures, a podcast from the National Institute for Health Research.